How are y'all? The trees have joined me on stage and have changed outfits to be blue now. How cool is that, right? Like they, they're, they're rocking and rolling. I'm so thankful you're here. High five three people today and say, Jesus is alive. I'm going to leave it. This one? Yeah. Jesus is alive. And so is the microphone, right? Jesus is alive, right? Now say good, good father to somebody that you didn't talk to. It's okay. I noticed some slaps out there. I'm proud of y'all. This is a good crowd. I love this. I'm thankful for today. So, hey, guys, real, real deal. We've been in this series called Selfless, so it's been kind of building on each other. So I'm going to catch you up in case you haven't got to see anything on it. So we started church online on the, the last Sunday of 2017, and we talked about New Year's resolutions, right? Like how many folks out there have a New Year's resolution? Praise God, no one, because none of us have kept it, right? Like, so how many of us have an after-Valentine's resolution? <laughs> Is that what's happening in life? Like, a lot of us have these New Year's resolutions, and believe it or not, what's really cool is we talked about how, honestly, March 1st comes, <laughs> the bed covers are so, so warm, <laughs> and we're like, two out of three ain't bad. Like, I'm good to go. I don't need to go to the gym today. I don't need to go work out. You know what? I prayed yesterday, God. Like, does that not count today, right? I tithed last week. You know what? I gave to that homeless person last week. I'm not giving to this one that I'm passing by. You know what? I texted that person last week to say hello, and they were mean to me, so I'm not texting them back because they got issues, right? Like, it's all on them, right? Like, that's our New Year's resolutions, right? And so we talked about, honestly, how it doesn't really matter what our New Year's resolutions are. If our hope isn't in Jesus, it's pointless, like the whole year we talked about kicking off 2018 being the year that we know where our hope is. We know where our hope will lie. And so we know that if it isn't in Jesus Christ, there's no point in it. There's no point. You're not going to accomplish anything. I'm sorry. You may have some great checkbox items. You may be able to do some things, but guess what? It's going to die with you. It's not going to last for eternity. And so last week, we talked, continued on that as we're in 1 Samuel 16 and 17 over these next few weeks. And we talked about who you are becoming is more important than anything you'll ever do. Who you're becoming in the Lord is more important than anything you'll ever do. Because that's the most important thing for us as a follower of Jesus. Maybe we've followed him for 20 years, for 20 minutes, or we don't quite think he is who he says he is. And that's okay too. Wherever you are on that spectrum, who you are becoming in Christ is always going to be the most important thing over what you do. And so today I was getting ready for this message, uh, you know, like 15 minutes ago. I was just getting ready. I'm just kidding. Y'all. Really, it was 10 minutes ago. And uh, so uh, I was getting ready for this message and it made me think, so how many folks have had like a three or four year old in their house ever? How many folks have ever had that? And so there's usually something in the car. Like if you go to Vine Kids right now, you could probably hear this. There's usually something around three to four. Maybe I'm wrong, so I'm not a parent. So hang in here. And I was the youngest of my family. So maybe I just let it last too long. But what's the question that most kids ask around the age of three to four? Why? Like it's incessant. But why? Why? Why is the sun up? Why is the sun down? Why is the moon? Why are we still moving in the car? Why is the car wash purple? Why did you hit that car? Why did you run that red light? Why can't I tell mommy what you said about her? Like all of those things, right? Like all of those things that you have is the incessant why question. So as a parent, you get tired of the why, right? Like eventually you just either let it roll off or it goes on. And then they become teenagers. And the question goes from why to what? 
What did you do? Oh my God, what were you thinking? Like, what's going on with you? Like, you lose your mind. Like, when you're, when you're with a teenager, it goes from why to you asking what. And all of a sudden, these why questions now become the what. And I think that's where we can get confused in our walk with Jesus and in our everyday life. Is we've been stuck on what so much that we forgot the why. We want a microwave culture because we believe what we do is always more important than why we do it. We believe what we accomplished today, if we checkbox five things, was a good day. But here's the thing. If you do the same five things day after day, and you're in the same place you were three weeks ago, maybe there's a problem. Maybe it's not where you're supposed to be. We've forgotten the why behind what we do. So today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Why before what? So it started out with where our hope lies. Then we said who before do. I wish I could have worked the Grinch in there. That would have been great. But who before do. And to this week, we're going to dive into the why before what. Because I think when we see what we do is always affected by why we do it, it's going to be important. If I could put this in one phrase, in one sentence today, I don't have this on the screen, but if I could put it in one sentence, it would be this. If you are driven by the right why, God will bring you to the right what. If you're driven by the right why, God will bring you to the right what. If you're driven by the right why, God will always bring you to the right what. If you know why you do what you do, what isn't important? What will always come? And it will always, always be more than a checkbox. And so that's where we are today, okay? So over these next few weeks, I told you, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17 talking about this guy named David, which whether you grew up in church or not, if you've ever been to VBS, I know we are in the Bible Belt, you've heard about this guy. You've heard about David and Goliath. You've heard about what's going on. But we're going to have a different perspective in this and talk about how we can live this year selfless and be the church that turns the world upside down with the gospel. And how our New Year's resolutions not only will be met but exceeded because our hope is in Christ. Who we are becoming in him will always be more important than what we do. And today we're going to talk about the why behind it. And we're going to talk through that through the lens of our passion. Our passion. Such a word. Passion. I should have saved this for Valentine's Day, but I just had to have it right here. It worked out perfect in the message, but our passion. So today as we're talking about our why before what, we're going to talk about passion. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to get to 1 Samuel 16. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. So if you're in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, you can thumb there. We're going to start with verse 19. If you don't have it, we're going to have it on the screen for you. But I would highly encourage you to have your Bible because if you haven't learned this yet... I love you being able to write in your Bible. I want you to have freedom. Yeah, we're that kind of church where you can write in the margins, circle things, underlight the things that, that pop out to you. So 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, verses 19 through 20, as we talk about why before what through the lens of passion. And it says this, it says this. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse. We're picking back up where David was. Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. He's with the sheep, y'all. So Jesse took a donkey and loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul, entered into his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre, he would play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. 
So I think about this before we go to our first point. Now think about where David is. So last we picked up, David was just anointed king. He was just anointed king. Like he's the next guy. Like it's November and he won the election, but it isn't quite January when he gets, he gets to walk through that, right? Like he's the next king. And he goes straight to the sheep field after that. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, the king that he's replacing has called him in to play the lyre for him. So he was lyrical. He was a rapper. <laughs> he could rap. Like I'm just kidding. Don't. Not, uh, Facebook views just went down on that. I know. <laughs> so that, he he literally he played the lyre. Now nowhere in this does it say we're learning that David played the lyre, right? Like he's playing the lyre, but he gets to go into the palace first, not as king, but as the person who plays the lyre. How weird is that? So I think about David right here, and how many of us are standing in front of what God's called us to, but we're not there for the reason we thought it was. We thought it was going to be some other way. Like, God, this is how it's supposed to work out. My what is this checkbox, and once I hit this milestone, I'll get to go to this milestone, and I'll get to go to this milestone, and I'll get to go to this milestone, and it'll be a seven-step process or a 12-step process, and that's how I'll get to be king, or that's how I'll get to step into your blessing. But God said, no, 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 i got different plans for you. You're going to come in here and play the leer for the guy you're about to replace. So think about this. That's where David is. So have that perspective when we're talking about this thing called why before what. Think about where David is. So here's what I want to tell you. The first point today as we're diving into this is your passion. Passion creates a willing spirit. Your passion will create a willing spirit. Passion creates a willing spirit. So here David is, anointed king. He's ready to go. Like He's like, I finally, I got the call. I'm going to the big leagues. Like It's time. I'm going to get to shine. This is what I was made to do. Hey, no, 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 no. I need, I need you to go play the leer. I need you to go do this. How many of us would do that? Like, who would struggle with that? Would I be the only one that would just be like, what? Like, maybe you're there right now. Maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's financially you're there, or maybe it's, maybe it's physically, like you're right on the precipice. You're ready to run a marathon. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> you're ready to run a marathon or your first 5K or your first 10K, whatever that looks like, but you're right on the precipice. And instead of running it, God says, hey, go serve them water. How would you feel about that? Like you've been training for this. Like you're ready. You're ready to run this thing. But see, if your why is in the wrong place, you can't go serve water with passion. Your passion will always create inside of you a willing spirit to do whatever it takes to get there. Does that mean that you fall short? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that you can't mess up. Does it mean that you have to take shortcuts? Excuse me. Absolutely not. You just have to be obedient. What I love that David did and where his passion was is his father asked him to do something and he stepped in to do it. How many of us, when our father asks us to do something, will willingly step in to do it? Or will we sit back and be like, I don't know nothing about Delir. I mean, you know, I got some good rhymes. I'm good to go, but I don't know nothing about Delir. Like, I can't do that. I play tambourine like nobody's business. Like, I can bust that out. I got the spoons. Son, I can rock the spoons. But I can't play the lyre. But no. God gets him in the palace by the leer of all places. So here's what I wanted to talk to us about with that is how can we be like David? Because here's what David understood as this is all building on top of itself. As God has created you to do something, he's created all of us to do something. Maybe you know that today. Maybe my assumption is that you know that. Maybe you're searching for that. You're saying, what has God made me for? Like, I haven't quite figured that out yet. Well, first off, 
He made you to do something perfect and awesome and amazing, and that is share the gospel with the world. I mean, it's the gift that you've got to receive. But here's where you can struggle with that. You think that you have to do something in particular, or you think that there's a certain what that you have to go for. But here's what David understood that we're going to build on from last week. Who you are becoming in Christ is your gift back to God for the seeds and the roots that he's planted inside of you with his gifts. And if you're not willing to step deeper into who God's made you to be, the why will never the why will never work out. The reason that David stepped into the palace with the leer is he understood who he was becoming. He was becoming the king. He was becoming the king, but the why he was becoming king is because God called him to it. It had nothing to do with what Saul said. It had nothing to do with what anybody else said. God had called him to that. And who he was was his gift back to God for the gifts that he's given him. How many of us would say who we are becoming is the most important thing we would do? Instead, it's probably what we do. Instead, it's probably all the things in the charitable organizations we give to or all the checkbox items we get. But if we look at our spiritual journey and we look at our walk, we're the same place we were in 2015. And we see that maybe God called us to a next step there and we were unwilling to take it. Today, I want your passion to be willing to take it. I want your spirit to be willing to take that next step. I want you to be willing to go deeper into that because that's your gift back to God for what he's given you. Like, are you hoarding that gift? Or are you sharing it with the world? Because his gift to us was his son. He never hoarded it. He shared it with each and every one of us. So why in the world would we not be willing to do it in whatever way, shape, or form? If it's playing the lyre, the tambourine, the spoons, the microphone, whatever it is, serving tables, serving water at a 5K, serving widows, serving orphans, getting homeless people blankets. If it's something we can do, why in the world would we not do it? And why are we hesitant about it? Because I don't know about you, but 5 o'clock, I'm a 5 a.m. It's early sometimes, right? Like, it's early. And sometimes I've got to, like, run into some stuff. Like, at 5 o'clock, it's like... Oh, yeah, I'm up. Yeah, Lord, I'm up. I'm up. I got to get my coffee, and I got to get going. But he might be saying, hey, I need you to leave the house this morning at 5 o'clock. Are you crazy? <laughs> God, I think you called the wrong house. I'm, <laughs> I need to hang up, right, like to get going, right? But a willing spirit inside of me is, hey, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, even if it means getting up early on a Sunday morning to come drive a U-Haul to the Y, to talk about the why before the what. You got it. You're welcome. To talk about the why before the what, I will do it because my passion is more about why we're doing it more than what we'll ever do. And the thing that I want for each and every one of us today is to always know the why behind the what. Because if we know that why, oh my gosh, the things that we'll be able to do. We know what David's about to do. We know where he's about to step into. But how many of us would stop the story there? We would stop and say, that fool wants me to come play the leer for him. <laughs> crazy i can't do that you want me to serve water i know somebody else can do that that's somebody else's joy it's cold outside it's like 12 degrees i ain't it's ice like it's, that's all i'm serving them is ice like i can't do that lord but if we have passion and know why we do what we do we'll willingly step in there some other things that i was thinking through as i was getting ready for this is think about this we didn't know david played the leer at this point in the story he did it behind the scenes so it comes to question what you do behind the scenes is actually more important than what you do out front. See, somebody heard David play the lyre like he's this shepherd that's just anointed king that nobody knew where he was. He came out of nowhere. Like it came to the point Samuel was like, 
hey, you got any other kids? Like, <laughs> I got the wrong Jesse. We talked about that last week. We were looking for Uncle Jesse, right? Like, something was wrong. Like, you got the wrong Jesse. Something's going on. Like, I don't know what's happening here. But instead, he called him from the sheep pen. He's anointed king. And he goes back to doing what God made him to do. And then he gets the call. He gets the call. And he steps into it. So will we, will we this time of year do that? Because the thing he did behind the scenes playing the leer, like he thought he was probably just playing to some sheep, right? Like he was playing that leer and he went, bah, like, you know what I mean? Like, is that, is, is sheep metal a thing? Like sheep, you're welcome, tough crowd. Sheep metal, whatever it was, like he was ready to go and he was playing that, but somebody heard him and they told Saul about it. When nobody's looking, what is it that somebody will hear from you? that will call you to step deeper into what God made you to do. Because it may not be the thing that you think it is. For me, it's not standing up here with this microphone. It's awesome. I love this opportunity. But it's what I do Monday through Sunday, every day of the week, that prepares me to get to do what I get to do right now. It has nothing to do with just getting to stand up here and give a message to you. That's not it. It's what I do behind the scenes. So what is God working on you right now behind the scenes to prepare you for something great that you can't even see because you're unwilling to see it, because you care about the checkbox, because you care about the what more than the why? And the odds are you probably know what that is because you feel it right here. You either feel it in your throat or you feel it in your chest. There's something God's working on behind the scenes. And you're scared and you're trying to figure out if they know this behind the scenes, I'm screwed. Talk to somebody about it. Because it might be the exact thing that God uses for you to step deeper into his promise. Because David, all of a sudden, has a relationship with this guy named Saul. He never would have. The guy he's replacing by playing a musical instrument. So today I brought a lyre. I'm just playing. I haven't. Y'all would be really messed up. So let's continue the story. Let's continue the story. Let's continue this story as we go, as we talk about our why. We're going to be, this is the long one. So everybody take a deep breath. We're going to have some fun. Okay, 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to go to verse 103. Oh, yeah, we're good. All right, starting in verse 8, we're going to go to verse 20, and we're going to see something in here, and you're going to know that God has got some anointing things in this word. I'm just going to let you know. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're ready for it. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. So we know that Goliath, this big giant named Goliath, right? He's that guy at the gym that screams every time he lifts. Bless your heart if that's you, but seriously. Calm down. So uh, Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks. If you got your Bible, circle that word, highlight that word, underline that word. What is the first thing he says? I'm reading from the NIV. Why? Why? Even the enemy knows if he can attack your why, he'll always stop your what. So you got to know why you do what you do before you step into what you're supposed to do. So he stands up and says, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. So, pause. Goliath's why right here is he thinks that they're only there because they serve Saul. He's missing out. Remember that when we come to the end. His why is they're only there to serve the king. And he says, which one of you manly men will come out and fight me? Like, he's ready to go, right? Like, he's got too much weight on there. He's going to be screaming for a spot later. That's the gym. You're welcome. 
National Bench Press Day is Monday, so if you're at the gym tomorrow, it's that guy that needs a spot, you know, and he's got way too much weight, and he's cheating the whole time. But anyway, we won't open that one. That's where Goliath is. And it says, if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. <laughs> what a great life to live, right? <laughs> then the Philistine says, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Highlight that, underline that, circle that so that you know where that is. Give me a man... And let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites got their guns and shotguns ready. They got all their boys. They got the pickaxes. They got everything. They got the trucks loaded, the dune buggies. They were ready to go. They got the sheep loaded up and the camels. And they were ready to get the camo on. No. No. The Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You think they forgot their why? You think they're standing there forgetting why? They even get to be in this land that was promised to their forefathers? You think that? Let's keep going. Let's keep going because we're going to see some good stuff here. Now, David was a son of Ephrath, named uh, Ephrathite, excuse me, named Jesse. We know who Jesse is. Who was from Bethlehem in Judah? Jesse had eight sons. We know that because David was number eight and he got screwed <laughs> all the way in the end. He got screwed out of the anointing from the beginning. They went to everybody else. One through seven. Hello, number eight. He's ready to go. He had eight Sons, in Saul's time, he was very old. And in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. Those were Eliab, circle that. We're going to get to that in the next few weeks, the name. The second was Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was your youngest. I'll let you, boy. I know how that goes. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Always complete the assignment that God's called you to first before you ever step into something deeper. He wasn't done tending sheep. God wasn't finished with him in the field. He wasn't ready for him to go take over. And guess what? David wasn't ready to be taken over as king just yet. So many times we can forget that. So he's playing his lyre, calming Saul down, and then he goes and visits his three oldest brothers, and then he goes and takes care of the sheep. The question is, where were his four other brothers? Where were they at in all this? Because they, they were just hanging around. I don't know what they were doing. So here we go. For 40 days, I've been learning that. 40 days is a season. 40 is a number and a season is a generation to God. It's really cool if you look at the numbers in the Bible. 40 represents a season changing, okay? So if you're looking at numbers, think about this. 40 was a generation. Moses was 40 when he, when he got pulled into the desert. He, he kept sheep for 40 years. God called him to free the Israelites. Exodus has 40 books in it. We go around and we look at seasons. It's a generation that the Israelites wandered for. 40 years before they stepped deeper into God's promise. The number 40 is showing a changing of the guard. So just remember that. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took, and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son to David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and 10 loaves of bread from your brother, for your brothers excuse me, and hurry to their camp. Now, time out. Before we get to 18, if you know anything about me, you know that that banana pudding and macaroni and cheese is holy and anointed. And I want to show you that it's in the Bible. Like, God equips his people with something. Like, David did not go empty-handed. He brought some grain, and he said, take along these ten cheeses, praise God and amen to the commander of their unit, see how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. He seriously took some macaroni and cheese, y'all. He took some grain. He had some cheese. He probably has some sheep or goat milk. Like, he was ready to go. So if you think macaroni and cheese and anointed for covered dish, y'all know. 
as blessed as holy, as zero calorie. Eat it and partake. I'm just saying, just love on it as you can. So y'all know, that's one thing about me. It may not help my waistline, but I believe it's anointed. So we keep on the story. <laughs> they are with Saul and the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, probably about 5 a.m. or whatever it was, <laughs> David left. He didn't just leave his sheep. He left them in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle positions, shouting, shouting the war cry, the war cry. So outside of all that, if you wrote down macaroni and cheese is holy, you are blessed. But what I want to tell you really is the second point I want to talk to you about today with your passion. The second point with your passion is this. Passion always interprets, always interprets intimidation as an invitation. Passion interprets intimidation as an invitation. Passion interprets intimidation as an invitation. We see two very different camps here. We see David, who's excited to go to battle, excited to play the lyre, excited to keep sheep, versus the Israelites who are shrinking in fear, versus the Philistines who don't know why the Israelites do what they do and who they really, really serve. We see some different camps here. But here's what I want to tell you. If your why is in the right place and what you're doing is to glorify God and give him the most glory, it will always take intimidating circumstance as an, as an invitation to step into it. That's exactly what David did. Four of his brothers were scared, so they didn't go to the battlefield. Three of his brothers went to the battlefield. They were scared. And all of a sudden, he has an opportunity to go to the battlefield, and he takes it. It says he hurried with it, with cheese, amen, and praise God. He hurried with it to go see his brothers and find out how they were doing. How many times when God's called us to do something, will we hurry to go see our brothers who are in harm's way? Will we hurry to go encourage our brothers? Will we hurry to go lift them up? Or will we just say, finally got them. They finally got kicked down. Look at them. And I think about David in this instance. David is sitting here. He's hurrying to battle to the king. Like, think about this. You're about to be king. So not only do I have to play the leer for him to calm him down, now he could get killed. How many people would run into that battle? I wouldn't. Like the king could get killed. It just makes my pathway to what I've been anointed to do easier. Why would I go to the battlefield? Why would I go do that? Why would I go even talk to the king? What's the point? They're out against the Philistines. Maybe he'll die and I finally get to take my seat. Like I've already got fitted for my robe. My crown's the right size. Like it's ready to go. They've already given me the flower and the sash. Like I'm ready to go, right? Like it's it. I'm ready to be king. But sometimes our passion will get us in the wrong place because we forgot why we do what we do. See, if his passion was just to become king and his why was just to be king, he would have let Saul and his brothers die because it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. But instead, his passion saw this intimidation. His passion saw this crazy circumstance as an invitation to show the world why he does what he does. Maybe that's where you stand today. You have an opportunity to show the world why you do what you do who you serve and who you're becoming and where your hope lies. But instead of stepping into the invitation to share it, you're intimidated by it. And you run in fear. And I just want to encourage you today to remember your why. Remember why you're here. Remember. Don't get caught in the what and the circumstance of the what. Remember why. Remember. And when you do, 
the what's the easy part. That's where David is. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Ah, yeah, I can handle that. You want me to run into the battle? That's fine. And bring all this crap, too. Like, it wasn't just go find out how your brothers are. Like, you got to bring this whole trunk of macaroni and cheese, please, God. Like, you got to bring all of this stuff to go take care of your brothers who forgot you just verses before, who thought they were going to be king, not you. Go serve them. Hard place to be. If your passion has you in the wrong place, man, that can get you tore up if you forget your why. Remember we talked about how the small things you do behind the scenes matter on the big stage? This is what David's about to walk into. The small things he did behind the scenes played out on the big stage. There was nothing too small, nothing too great, because of the small things he did when no one was looking, like playing the lyre. He's a shepherd king. He played the lyre? Awesome. It's great. I, I wouldn't expect that. Like, this guy's killing bears and lions. And like, oh, but yeah, he plays this thing too. Like, you know, this is before the hipster thing was real cool. Like, yeah, he plays this thing. Too. Oh, yeah, he, he plays this little instrument. He plays the ukulele. You know what I mean? He's really cool with that. He's a really good guy, right? But those small things add up. And what if God is taking every one of those intimidating circumstances and building them up for you to step deeper into his promise to show the world why he made you? But you might be intimidated. You might shrink in fear. You might think the covers are way too warm on Monday morning to go run on a treadmill or to go lift a weight. Or maybe that homeless person you've passed 14 times has asked for a dollar. You've said, I don't have it to give. I'm not giving it today because I definitely don't have it to give. And you're intimidated. Oh, they're just going to spend it on X, Y, Z. Who cares what? No why. Because when you've been called to do something and the why behind it, the what don't matter. The what don't matter. When you know why you're here, you want me to go to this third world, third world country that doesn't have Facebook and Internet? Lord Jesus. Yeah, I'll do it. It's not that big of a deal. You want me to go reach a people who want to kill me? You want me to go reach a people that hate me enough that uh, you see people's heads get chopped off? Like, you want me to talk to them? Yeah. Why? Because my father called me to it. I'm passionate about it. I have a willing spirit to go do it, and it's not intimidating to me. Let's go. Like, let's go. What do I need to get? What do I have to do? Who can I talk to? Why, why am I not doing this earlier? Like, that's the question I don't want us to ask today. I want us to see that why we do what we do matters. And I know I'm belaboring a point, but I really want you to know why you get up in the morning, why you go to bed in the evening, why you get to be here on this earth. Because in the end, if you don't know your why, it's just wasted time. It's just wasted time and missed blessings and missed opportunities. Missed. There's a bloodstained cross that didn't want you to miss any opportunity. <laughs> he died so that you could live life and live it to the full so that you and I could do all that he's called us to do, to be all that he's made us to be. To, you know what, give that gift back because of the gifts he's given us. And some things we may be rock stars at it. I know that's where I am. Some things I'm completely terrible. I forget my why all the time. Like macaroni and cheese, two helpings. Please, Lord Jesus, yes and amen. Like, I got to remember my why. My why, I want to see my grandkids one day. I got to figure that out. I got to remember my why. My why is because I want them to see that it matters, that a life is worth living. But sometimes I can get intimidated. And I don't see that as an imitation. I see it as an excuse. How many of us take that intimidation as an excuse not to step in? That's not what he's called us to. He's called us to do that. Like, I'm looking right here where we could be, and I see that 
that, that David sees all of the things that God's given him, and he sees an opportunity, and he doesn't shy away from it. A sentence that I wrote down here that I want to share with you that I think can really sum this up well is when we see imita- in, excuse me when we see intimidation as an invitation to use the gifts God has given, we will get to experience victories, we will get to experience blessings, and we will touch more lives than we ever could by ourselves. When we see intimidation as an invitation to use the gifts that God has given, we'll get to experience victories, blessings, and get to know more people and have better relationships than we ever could on our own. But so many times, it's about what time do I need to be there? What is it that I need to do? Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. The better question is, hey, why are we doing this again? Hey, why am I posting this on Facebook? What's the importance of that? Why did I take 30 photos to, you know, duck face, whatever? I don't do it. Y'all can tell I don't do selfies. I'm over 30, so it's time out. If you're over 30 doing selfies, it's over. Just go ahead. Just nip that in the bud. I'm going to let you know. If you are, that's cool. I'm just kidding. I ain't trying to judge you. I'm over 30, and I don't because I would break the camera every time. My boy, I ain't got a budget for a new phone every two days. So I make sure I'm not tearing up cameras. But I'm telling you, why are you posting that Facebook post? Why are you posting that on Instagram? Why are you saying those words? Why are you acting that way with a certain person? Because see, if you know the why and they know the why, isn't it funny how that works out? Married couples, am I speaking the right language here? Like when you communicate, doesn't that matter? Like, why did you say that to me was more important than what you said. (laughs) What you said is okay, but why you said it is what matters, right? But so many times, all we care about is what. And when we get caught in the what, we're where Israel is right now. Because what is happening is this dude is screaming at me, telling me he's going to kill me. And my fathers were in slavery. Now all of a sudden, I'm going to go into slavery again because this Philistine's standing here telling me that he's looking for a man and he's twice my size. He's got everything I don't have. He's got, like, he, he's, he's heads and tails taller than me. His sword is bigger than me. And he's got a, he's got a deep voice. Like he's got very white voice. Like he's ready to go. He's better. He is more manly than me. Like he squats more than I do. I can tell like his power clean is through the roof. He runs farther than I do. Like, why am I here? God, have we ever asked that question when we're in the middle of the battle? Why am I here? Or do we say, what are you doing to me? God, like what is going on? I want you to stop asking what is going on and start asking why am I here? Because I promise you, if God's brought you to it for a purpose, man, your why will make you do things you never thought you could do. Make you go places you never thought you would ever go and make you be a part of blessings that you can never experience if you stayed put. And that's where David is. He could have stayed as a successful shepherd. He could have never played his instrument. He could have told Saul to go suck an egg. He could have told him, forget it. You're holding my spot. Hey, keep my seat warm, right? Like he could have told Saul to get off. Go, bye, go to war. I'm done with you. Go get killed because you're just keeping my seat warm. But we forget why we're in the seasons that we're in. And that's what I want us to be asking because if we're passionate about our why, the what will always take care of itself. So let's wrap this up and we'll get here in 1 Samuel 17. If you didn't write anything down in your Bible, I hope you wrote down macaroni and cheese and you're blessed. So, uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 21 through 26. And it says this, Israel, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and just chilled. 
he ran to the battle lines. And he asked his brother how they were. So I'm the youngest, and I want you to know, sometimes we do wait till the last minute, but we do care. He ran to the battle lines, and like, they're getting ready to go to war, and hear this guy yell at him. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? How's everybody? How's the food? Is it good? I got some cheese in the back if y'all want something. <laughs> we got some sparkling grape juice and some cheese. You know, that's how we roll right now. We're doing one of them things. Like, y'all good? Y'all okay? okay? You mind if I just watch? I got some popcorn, too. I'm just going to watch this. Y'all okay? Like, he goes and asks them, how, how it was. He runs it. And as he was talking with him, dude man named Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lounge and shouted the usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, here's the thing that I wonder, because I wonder if, if it's left out for a purpose. It says all the Israelites. I wonder if David ran with them or if he was just still standing there. Like, did he run with them and tell this? I don't know. I, I would imagine. I, that's just one of those questions I'd love to ask. One day I'll get to ask that. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will be exempt from his, fa exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Who wants that tax deduction? Amen. Tax exemptions? Okay, self-employed people are ready. So anyway, any kind of tax, I mean, I'm in with that. My passion is, you, I ain't got to pay taxes? Yeah, come on, let's go do it. What I got to do? Like, right? Are we ready for that? I got to know my why when I do it. It's because I want to give more, y'all. Don't judge me. I know that's what happened. Let me exempt some taxes, right? He says that he'll exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That's what I love, because David knows his why. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done to the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Remember what Goliath was saying? The armies of Israel, Saul's servants, why are you here? His why was they were serving a man. David's why is he's serving a living God. And the thing is, when you know your why is to serve a living God and you know where that is, your passion, your passion will be unparalleled. Your passion will not stop you. Your passion will always be willing to say yes, not no. Your passion will always look at intimidating things and say, this is an invitation for God to move. This is an invitation for me to be closer to God. This is an opportunity for me to see God do something I can never see if I stayed put. And the third thing that passion will always do is it'll finish the battle that matters most. It'll finish the battle that matters the most. You see, David had to trust why he was there more than what he was going to do. David hasn't killed Goliath yet. David hasn't gone to pick up the smooth stones and got his slingshot ready. I don't know why I just looked like I was dancing, but this is. He hadn't got all of that ready. He hasn't done any of that. He's just obeyed his father. His father told him to go to battle. His father said, check on your brothers. His father said, give your brother supplies. His father said, take care of my sheep first, though. And he made sure they were in the right care with a shepherd. He didn't know what he was about to do, but he knew why he was doing it. He serves the living God. Same living God that's here today. The same living God that lets us be a part of things we never thought of if we just know why we do what we do. So my question for all of us is that, what is our why? Do we trust our what 
more than our why? Do we trust what we're doing more than why we're doing it? Because if you trust your what, <laughs> it sounded like I said you trust your gut. Sorry, if you trust your what, try not to rap here because I'm not good at that. If you trust your what more than your why, it'll only last for a season. It won't be eternal. Your why is to do something that lasts longer than you. That's generational. That goes beyond generations. That goes 500 years, 1,000 years, eternity. That's why you're here. So the question is, in everything you do, do you know why you do it? And if you can't, whittle that out of your life. If you don't know why, whittle it out of your life. If it's not to serve the living God, my question is, why are you doing it? Doesn't mean you need a bullhorn on the side of the road at the Bilo Center when, when Journey plays, <laughs> the Journey tribute band is playing a song. No. <laughs> Maybe God's called that to you, and that's your, your cup of tea. Praise God and amen. I hope that he blesses you with it. It's not mine. The reason I would be going to that is because, you know, I'd be rocking out to Don't Stop Believing. It wouldn't have anything to do with anything else. But if your why, if my why was to be there to meet more people, to show them who Jesus is, by being able to sing Don't Stop Believing to the top of my lungs because nobody can hear how bad I'm singing. <laughs> like, if that's it, then my why's in the right place. So my question is, where is that for you? Do you trust your more, your what, more than your why? Because here's where it is. So many times, we are going to have battles in life. That's the beauty of this life. We're going to have intimidating circumstances. We're going to have opportunities to step into it. But we may not know where our hope lies to see who we're becoming, to know why we do what we do. Instead, we want to figure out what we need to do so that we can have hope. And if you're caught in that cycle, I want it to end today for you. Maybe you say, okay, what I'm doing will lead me to be a better person, and that better person is who I hope to be. And here's what I want to tell you. If your hope is in Christ, who you're becoming will always pan out to be better than who you are. And why you do what you do will always be more important than what you're doing. So if you're stuck in that cycle of hoping to be a better person, like we all are in 2018, I hope to be a better person this year. I'll talk to you in April. Uh, <laughs> right? I hope to be better physically. I hope to be better relationally. I hope to be better financially. I hope to be better spiritually. Stop hoping. Put your hope in Christ alone. Know who you are becoming in him will always be why you do what you do. Otherwise, in 2019, you're going to be writing your goals and writing your statements and saying the same garbage you said this year. I hope to be better. I hope to be better. And I don't want that for us. I want 2018 to be the year we break out, we break free. I want that for each and every one of us. But we got to know our why. So maybe... Maybe you know your why. Maybe you don't. You need to talk to somebody about it. I'd love to talk to you. That's what I'm the most passionate about is helping you find your why. But it all starts. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus. Because here's the thing about man. There was a time we were in the garden. You've ever heard this story in Genesis 1? And we knew our why. We were in communion with God. We got to have picnics, barbecues hang out with God. I don't know what all God did. Maybe he went swimming. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was fair-skinned like me. Maybe he had freckles. I don't know. But you got to hang out with God every day. And he said, don't eat the fruit from this one tree. 
Don't eat it. And all of a sudden, it went from me, went from man knowing why they were on this earth to saying, what would happen if I ate that fruit? Hmm. I mean, right, yeah, surely, yeah, surely he won't kill me. I mean, why is he holding this from me? And we stopped asking and knowing the why to living in the what. If you see your whole life has been living in the what because you've never discovered the why, I want to tell you that's why. It's because it started in the garden. And from that moment on, without Jesus, you'll always live in the what because you'll never understand your why. You'll never find it. And why you are here is to live life and live it to the full. And the only way you can do that is through Christ Jesus. So as we're getting ready to close here, I just want to ask, are you living in the why or are you living in the what? Are you living in your why? Are you living in the what? I know we're in the YMCA and this is a tense moment because you're like, I'm living in the why. But ask yourself the real question. Are you living in your why? Are you living in your what? Because if you're living in your what more than your why, it doesn't mean you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I can pretty much guarantee you're not growing. So right now I want to open up the floor for the opportunity with every head bowed and every eye closed. Is maybe, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And for you, the main thing is you're hearing me talk about hope. You're hearing me talk about Jesus. You're hearing me saying my hope needs to lie in Jesus and who I'm becoming. Well, I have a thousand Facebook followers, a million hits on YouTube. I've got all these friends and I've got all these things going on, but I'm, I'm pretty big deal, you know, but I'm still searching. Like I can't find what I'm here for. Like I find myself at the same place in 2018 as I was in 2017. And, 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 and there's a hole that I just, I feel like I can't feel, but if I do more stuff, then that'll fill it. If I, if I become a better person, that'll fill it. And what I want to ask you is if you haven't put your hope in Jesus, you'll never fill the hole. You'll always search for the next what. You'll always be a part of the fad, and you'll miss out on the why that you were here. And so as I open the floor, I just want to say, have you ever placed your hope in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the cornerstone of why you're here. And if that's you right now, I'm just going to say a prayer, and it's not the words of this prayer that's going to make you be saved. It's not the words of this prayer that's going to give you a relationship with Jesus. It's the faith and the steps of obedience that you take, that Jesus is who he says he is, that will set you free from the why, set you free from the what's of the world so you can live in the why. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask everybody to re repeat the words of this prayer for the benefit of those who are coming to know Jesus for the first time, but you know here we pray as a family, always. So if you'll repeat these words after me, dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner. You died for my sins, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may live the life that I get to live today. Come take over my life, pull me out of the what let me step into the why and follow you step by step the best way I know how the rest of my life. And if that's you and, and with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
If that's you, I'm going to ask you to boldly, if it's the first time with faith that you can say that you've stepped out of the what and into the why and into Jesus being your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to boldly count to three. One, two, three. If that's you and that's the first time you can say with faith that you've ever prayed that prayer, no resolution can change who you are. Nothing can be done to change who you are but Christ Jesus. Only he can do that. And if you've never put your faith in him, I'm going to ask you, raise your hand if that's you. And maybe that's not you. As I get ready to pray and we're going to worship and then we're going to come together and close like we always do together as a family, I want to pray for you who knows Jesus. Maybe you followed Jesus for 20 years or 20 minutes or two minutes or, or, or for 15 weeks or for two months and you're still stuck in the what of following Jesus and not the why to do what he's called you to do. And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you have ears to hear and eyes to see like never before. So dear Jesus, I lift up each and every person in this room. Regardless of where we are in our walk with you, Jesus, there's always a why. And the why is to bring you the most glory. And that will always give us the most good. Let our passion not be misguided. Let our passion not be the thing that causes us to stumble, but let it be why we do what we do. Let us always be willing to say yes when our Father asks us for something to do. Let us not be intimidated at the circumstances that you put before us and see it as an invitation for you to move in our lives and those around us. And let us go into the battle and know that the battle you called us to fight is always the battle that's worth fighting most for, to see it to completion. Because only completion can be found in you. So God, if we're stuck in what we're doing, if we're in the dregs of what we're doing in this job or how many check boxes we can check off to be a good person, let us step out of that into the why. Let us do that today, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and it's your name we pray. Amen.